Oh, it is good to be here with you this morning on this Labor Day weekend. Um, it's, you know, Labor Day um, was first observed in uh, 1882 and with a parade in New York City. No one's really quite sure who initiated the parade. There are a couple of of names out that have been launched out there. But during the Industrial Revolution, you know, the work schedules were quite long and grueling. And before uh, child labor laws, there were a lot, a lot of disadvantages being taken against the, the workforce in America. And, and so somebody decided, a couple of guys decided, we need, to, we need to just recognize the contributions of our laborers in the American workforce. And so that's where this got started. And so they had a parade to recognize um, all the contributions of, of laborers. And, and then in June of 1894, President Grover Cleveland signed the, this Labor, uh, Labor Day into law. Um, so it's just a, it's, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful holiday to be able to kind of step back and just think about the contributions of the labor force. The, the contributions of all the talents and all the gifts and the skills that all come together in, in the industry and for the good of our country and for the good of humankind. So that's what we're celebrating today. I, I ran across a almost like a greeting card, but something that a, a company sent out to its employees in and, and celebration of Labor Day, and, and it goes something like this. Always know that each, of, each one of you is valued for the unique qualities and skills you bring to the team. Our accomplishments over this past year and the progress we have made are because we collectively have stood side by side each other to make them happen. I thank each of you for being all in. Get some rest and be safe this Labor Day. As I think about that, I think about the church and how this can be true for the church, the congregation. That we bring, each and every one of us as individuals, bring our own unique sets of skills and gifts and graces and talents to the congregation, to the church. To help the church grow the kingdom of God here in our little corner of the world. And we celebrated the glimpse of that last week on Laity Sunday. Just a glimpse to say, look what happens when people bring their gifts and their graces to the congregation and share them. And that's what we do. That's what this congregation does. We have people singing in the choir. We have people playing instruments in their ascension service. We have people serving as ushers and greeters. People serving... Well, Anna Murphy was here this weekend setting up for communion for this service and a 9 o'clock service. People are serving all over the place. The Joseph Project, the knitting, the knitting group, it meets on Tuesday mornings. A prayer group that will meet once a month to pray for this community, our local community, and for the greater community. All the concerns that we know about. There's a lot that happens. And it's because people come and stand side by side for the good of the kingdom of God. And that we celebrate. We celebrate that every Sunday. And today, as I see this stream of the church joining the stream of, of secular America coming in with Labor Day... What, what better way to, to celebrate than to read Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 11? Is that what you were thinking? That's what I was thinking. You know, at, at the 9 o'clock service, I, we, we gathered at 9 o'clock. and Well, we started gathering around a little before 9 and, and probably finished gathering around, what, 9, 10 or so. People finally got in there and got their places and, and, and the band was playing and, 
And, and I noticed when I, when I looked out that there were about, I don't know, I don't know, maybe 90% of the people on one side of the room. And then the other 10% were on the other side. And so I spent about two minutes moving people around, saying, get up, kind of make this a little more balanced. And I did that to prove a point. I was going to do it in here, but y'all did such a good job of just filling in. You ruined my whole opening. So thank you for that. But I, 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 I did that to help show how a potter kind of begins to mold a piece of pottery, a bowl. How he has to kind of shape, let, let, the, let, the, let, the, let the clay begin to kind of work itself. And, and the potter's hands on that clay begin to work and mold and shape this, this beautiful piece of art. And, and it, happens, it happens every day in some location and in some way that we can see artistry at work as people and, and, and organizations begin to shape and mold. You know, and that's what Jeremiah is talking about. You know, the, the prophet Jeremiah is an interesting cat, let me tell you. We call him the weeping prophet because he lived in a time that was worthy of tears. He watched his country, he watched his nation, he watched his kinsmen suffer and suffer and suffer. And even when it began to look like, oh, we have some success, we've got some traction, and suddenly it would just evaporate. And God was using Jeremiah, this prophet, to speak God's prophetic word to his people. Now he came on the scene in the mid-600s, and he began to prophesy in the southern kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem. And when he was... About the work of being a prophet, King Josiah was in power. And king Josiah was a good king in Jerusalem. He instituted some reforms, some religious reforms. He renewed the, he renewed the covenant with, with God and renewed the people. And he set, aside, he set up the temple in Jerusalem as a centralized place for worship. All other altars and shrines outside of Jerusalem, pagan and otherwise, were closed. They were shut down. Everything would be focused on the temple. He instituted these incredible, powerful reforms. Well, while he was in power, Judah was a, was a vassal state. It was under the authority, under the boot and thumb of Assyria, and had been for a while. But Assyria was beginning to lose power. They were beginning to lose their grip on the world. They were becoming weaker and weaker. And Josiah was trying to figure out how to navigate. How do we, how do we adjust and how do we, how do we take advantage of this, of this situation? And so as, as Assyria grew weaker, Josiah reached out and grabbed more territory went into the northern kingdom and claimed more than northern kingdom as part of his kingdom. While all this was going on, Egypt in the south was, was becoming a superpower again. Babylon in the north was becoming a superpower. And people in Jerusalem were saying, we need to ally ourselves and, and get ready for this because we're in the middle of two superpowers. What are we going to do? How do we protect ourselves? How do we navigate? How do we politicize in this world? 
And so some were saying, we need to, Egypt is close. Let's ally with them. They've been a superpower forever. Let's, 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 let's be with friends with Egypt. Well, Jeremiah and Josiah were not part of that, that school of thought. And Jeremiah, being led by God's voice and God's call, looked at Babylon. That's who we need to ally with. Because Babylon is going to be the superpower. Babylon is going to rule everything. Well, they fought Judah and Egypt get locked up in a battle, and Josiah is killed, the king. Egypt props up a, a, a puppet king in his place. Babylon is still coming down. They're still taking over the world, and now they're on the doorstep of Judah. And here's Jeremiah. His king has been killed. He has a puppet king to a, to a, well, to a, a power he doesn't want to be a part of. And, and Babylon is coming down, and he knows that this is going to be bad news for everybody because God has told him, Unless my people repent and turn back to me, destruction lies in wait. And so God tells Jer Jeremiah, come, go down to the potter's house and see, and I will speak to you. So that's what we have in chapter 18, of verse, beginning in verse 1. You can follow along in your bulletin. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, come. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his will. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. But if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will change my mind about the disaster that I intended to bring on it. And at another moment I may declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build it and plant it. But if it does evil in my sight not listening to my voice, then I will change my mind about the good that I had intended to do it. Now therefore say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Look, I am a potter shaping evil against you and devising a plan against you. Turn now, all of you, from your evil way and amend your ways and your doings. May God bless the reading of the word. You know, I remember in, not that long ago, really, in the days of COVID, I picked up a new hobby. Well, I tried to pick up a new hobby. It was painting. And I had to ask Leanne what kind of paint we were using because we were all going to kind of join this little hobby together. So we bought some paint. I think it was acrylic paint. And we bought some paper. We didn't use canvas because I knew what was going to happen. I just used art, art paper. And so we had paper, and we laid some paper bags out, and I laid my paper on that paper bag, and, and we had our paints put out on paper plates, and, and I had some brushes, and I just thought, I'm going to paint a house. I'm just going to, a few magical strokes, I'll have a house. And that's what I did, a few magical strokes, and there was my house. But then I looked at it. It didn't look like a house at all. 
It looked more like a bird in full flight. <laughs> and so I, I, took it, I took it that direction. I said, we'll have a bird. The bird is flying. And there's a sun in the corner. And there's blue skies around and a few clouds. And here down here's a couple of trees. And here's my bird flying. Well, when I finished it, it looked not so much like a bird anymore. I don't know what it looked like. I wanted to call it a house martin, but it wasn't. It was, it was garbage. And that's where I threw it. But I would start over again, another piece of paper, and I'd try something else. And that's, that's what Jeremiah is getting to. Is that God is talking to Jeremiah about God's people. God's chosen, this nation of Israel. And he's talking, he's talking to Jeremiah about how God never gives up. How God works, works God's people just like a potter works a clay to make a, a bowl or a plate. This beautiful vessel. God is working with God's people to make this beautiful vessel that will hold God and present God to the world. But sometimes the clay doesn't want to cooperate. Sometimes the paint and the paper doesn't want to cooperate. Sometimes my hands didn't want to cooperate. But God has perfect hands. And God is working with this clay that is it's not perfect. And sometimes it folds in on itself. And sometimes it cracks. And sometimes it just it becomes mush. But the potter doesn't give up. He just forms something else. The bowl becomes a plate or a platter. The bowl becomes a pitcher or a cup. The painting becomes not a house but a bird. And then something else. God doesn't give up on God's people, but continues to hold God's people and holds us, molding us, inviting us to, to work with Him, to be, to be the clay that will, will form to His will. But we have a choice. We have a choice to say, yes, we will turn back to God. We will follow God's voice. We will hear God's voice. We will obey God's voice. We will follow God to be what God wants us to be, which is God's people, to be in a relationship with God that shows the world the light of God, the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. That's the beautiful vessel that God is forming with us when we work with God, when we turn to God. It's a beautiful image for me. And I think about how that is seen and lived out every day as individuals and as, as a congregation. We see it lived out every day. I watched Leanne. She, okay, I'm going to get this wrong again. Um, um, you knit or crochet? crochet? Crochet. I never can remember the difference between knitting and crocheting. So knitting is one needle? Two. See, I might as well be an accountant. Knitting, I can't do accounting either. Um, knitting is two, crocheting is one needle. When I watch Leanne... She, she loves to crochet one needle. She loves to crochet. And when she gets out, off account of these knots, I guess, it gets way out of whack. 
And she has to start over. She undoes it and starts over and does it again until she gets it right the way she wants it. I'm assuming it's that way with knitting too. Sometimes you get out of, of sync or out of count and things get a little skewed, so you need to go back and redo it. It's the same way with artwork. It's the same way with the pottery. It's the same way with God's people. We are in God's hands. And God is working this wonderful and powerful, beautiful work among us, with us, and through us to be this beautiful vessel. And He will work with us as long as we will let Him work with us. And when we choose not to, when we rebel, when we refuse to listen, when we refuse to hear, we refuse to follow, God starts over and goes a different direction. But the good news is that God never gives up on us. We may not look like we think we're going to look. We may not be what we think we're going to be. The beginning of us may not be the end of us because we're going to change through time because God is working with us and God never gives up on us and he's constantly inviting us to work with him to turn to him to remain focused on God and God alone that's the word that Jeremiah heard it's it's the word I've tried to relay to you and relay to us that God is constantly working to mold and form us in the image he would have us to be, which is an image of love and grace and forgiveness, which is what the world needs. The world needs a few vessels that will hold love and grace and forgiveness to share with one another, to be for one another to work side by side with one another for the greater good, which is the kingdom of God. So let us take this out today. Let us take this image of the potter, let us take this image of pottery being formed in God's image out into the world, knowing that God is not going to give up on us, knowing that God is constantly working with us to form us to be his vessel his instrument for the world. That's a beautiful thing for me. You know, when I was just getting started preaching, I had this great, uh, you know, I talked to Lawson Bryan, I talked to Jim Sanders, I talked to every minister I could get my, my, my hands around to say, how do you prepare for a sermon? How do you do this every week in and week out? Well, in 2010, I got to find out exactly how you prepare for a sermon week in and week out. For, for that year, that was my first year, 2010 to 11, I was preaching sermons every Sunday. That was a new world for me. Let me tell you how this went. I would read the passage. I would pray about it. I would read it again and read it again in a different version, and I'd pray about it. And then I would read it again. And then I would read a commentary and pray about it. And then I would sit down after several days and begin to write a manuscript. And I wrote an in-depth manuscript. And then I would let that sit for a while. And I would pray about it. And I'd read more commentaries. And then I would sit and I'd write manuscript number two. And then I would pray about that. And I would read some more. And then the next day I'd come and I'd, I'd write manuscript number three. 
I would have three manuscripts for the same sermon. And I would meld those together. Now imagine, sometimes I get long-winded. Imagine if I had three manuscripts to deliver to you every Sunday morning. That poor congregation, they weathered the storm. And then I refocused. I found a, a different way of doing it. And, and I moved away from manuscripts to move into more of a complete uh, outline. But I would have two outlines or three. Because the second one seemed better than the first one. And the third one seemed different than the second one. And then I'd have three to choose from. And by the time I get to Ashland Place... I read the scriptures, I pray about it. I read the scriptures, I pray about it. I read the commentaries, and I pray about it. And I begin to sketch out my outline with the sketches and the stories, the examples, and the points I want to make. Because developing a sermon for me is kind of like a potter developing a, a vessel. And sometimes it just... It doesn't go the way you want it to go. It doesn't go the way you think it should go because God's got something else in mind. And so you go a different direction. Then you go another direction and another direction. But finally you arrive and you offer what you believe to be the truth. That you know is the truth. And it's this vessel that God has given me, has given us. So whenever you are out and about and something doesn't go the way you think it's going to go but it goes a good way anyway think about the potter think about the pottery one last thing I wanted to share I thought was very interesting if you're familiar with the movie um, Back to the Future have you ever heard of the movie Back to the Future it was kind of popular a few years ago and the, and the, the lead actor was who who was that Michael, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox was the lead actor. And this movie made, I don't know how many, gazillion dollars. Hugely popular movie. But you know, Michael J. Fox, who is known as Marty McFly, was not the original Marty McFly. Eric Stoltz was the first lead actor in that movie. Eric Stoltz. Who knows Eric Stoltz? Huh? Exactly. Eric Stoltz, they filmed several numerous scenes with Eric Stoltz. And finally, the producers and the directors and the writers said, it's not going the way we thought it should go. So they hired Michael J. Fox and got rid of Eric Stoltz. Isn't that amazing? Something as simple as a movie. As simple as moving people around in a room. As simple as crafting a sermon. As simple as doing a piece of artwork. God is working with God's people to form us in his image. To be good. To be vessels of love and grace and forgiveness. For that I am very thankful. And I'm thankful to be part of that vessel with you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.